Well, good morning. Someone told me uh, that they were glad I'm back. I, I've been hiding in, the, in third service or second service in the back row this whole time. Uh, we really enjoyed just being part of, of our family, of our church family here. And uh, man, God has done some really amazing things in our, in our life and really provided for us in some miraculous ways. And, and there'll be a time for me to share that sometime. But today is just, it's just not the day. Um, I've got a lot to share um, and a, a little, little while ago, I talked to John about uh, being willing to help out in any way possible, um, even filling in, and um, it just worked out perfect. So uh, I'm just happy to, to be up here, but it's really not about me. It's, it never has been. It, it never will be, hopefully. It's about the Lord. And uh, this morning, I believe God has uh, something for us um, as we talk about being restored um, being the church that God really wants us to be. And so um, I want to pray, and then we'll just, we'll just get after it. Dear Heavenly Father, I, just, I thank you. I thank you for just uh, this church family and what they mean to, to my family to be a part of it. Lord, I thank you for your word. It's so strong. It's so strong. If we would just... Stop and listen. Um, you, you guide us, Lord. I thank you for your Holy Spirit that fills us and guides us every day. And Lord, most of all, I, I thank you for your Son. I've needed so much grace in my life. And um, I'm just thankful that Jesus died for my sins and my, the sins of my family. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. In June of uh, 2022, there was a windstorm that went, went through Wayne County. If you live in Wayne County, you probably uh, remember that. Um, it did a little bit of damage in Orville, did a ton of damage in uh, Shreve. And I work in Dalton, just up the road here. Um, we lost power for a couple of days. And um, that was kind of cool because you got paid and you didn't have to work, which was good. Um, but it's kind of bad because then they, they kind of rerouted the power a little bit and gave uh, the city of Dalton power. But then they asked the feed mill where I work, Buckeye Nutrition, um, they, they were like, hey, uh, but you have power, but you, you can't produce. Don't, don't make any feed, which uh, for the bottom line is kind of a bad thing. Um, if, if you don't remember, I kind of have a little warped sense of humor. You're allowed to laugh. It's okay. <laughs> I laugh at myself all the time. I'm funny looking. Anyway, um, so, but we lost power, and then they gave us power, and everybody like, hey, by the way, you can't, you can't produce any feed, which was kind of a bad thing, but, um, you know, that kind of reminds me of, of the church, because we know that we have this incredible power through the Holy Spirit, through the power of God, and sometimes I just feel like we are afraid, or we feel like maybe we're not allowed to produce or to be all that God has called us to be. And that's what I want to kind of, kind of zero in on today. You know, John mentioned the fact that 80% of churches are kind of like in plateau or in, in decline. They're, they're not growing. And I know it's not usually all about the numbers, but you know, the book of Acts and, and throughout the Bible, things got counted. And so I think numbers count. I think numbers count, and I believe that God wants a powerful and growing church. Right from the beginning in the New Testament church, it was a powerful and, and growing church. 
One thing I like about the restoration movement, our, our brand, if you will, of Christianity at, here at OCC, is that we really do try, we strive to be like the New Testament church. We, we would view this as a pattern that we are supposed to follow. And so in this uh, season of our church, we're talking about being restored to the New Testament church. And today I want to consider the power of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament church. What did Jesus say about it? What, did, what happened in the book of Acts? And, and maybe how can we make that more a part of our lives? In John 14 and John 16, Jesus spent a little bit of time talking to his followers about what the Holy Spirit would be like. And if you read through the book of Acts, you can see that the Holy Spirit is definitely a major player. Acts chapter 1 says, but you will receive power. This is Jesus speaking. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. But I want to tell you something. Even though we know we have this great power, I feel like sometimes we operate like a feed mill that's not allowed to produce. So let's get into our text today. I'm going to be in Acts chapter 2, verse 1 through 4. If you want to flip through your Bible, I believe it will be on the screen. Um, but let's just dig into the Word. It says, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And suddenly the sound like a blowing, uh, like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each one of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, like every once in a while, I read the Bible and I go, I wish I could have seen that. Like, I wish I could have, I wish I could have been there. You know, like when Jesus was walking on water, I wish I could have been there. I would have loved to have seen that. I would have loved to have seen this. The Holy Spirit comes on them and they're able to do what they can't ordinarily be, do. They, they're able to speak in other languages. Now, I want to tell you something. If you're a church nerd like I am, I'm still a church nerd, even though I, I, I just disguise a female worker, but I'm a church nerd. This is a lightning rod for controversy, right? Like there are denominations that believe one way and there's denominations that believe another way. And a lot of times in, in a family, which the church is, when there's controversy or where there's disagreement, most people are content to just shut up and not say anything. I know I'm not allowed to say shut up, but I did. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> most people are just be quiet and not, let's not, let's ignore, let's ignore the disagreement. And um, I, don't, I don't think that's healthy. Because I think there are faithful Christians on both ends of this spectrum. Some people will tell you, hey, if you don't speak in tongues, you, you ain't right. And, and then there's us. I'll just be honest. Like, there's us, and we're afraid. We don't want, we, if somebody, we just hope somebody doesn't speak in tongues because it's going to get awkward, right? And you're laughing because you know it's true. You know it's true. But here's the deal. We got about 20 minutes to take care of this. <laughs> And I don't know that it can be done. I don't know that it can be done. And so, can I be honest? We just need to really agree to disagree sometimes. Because I want to tell you something. There's like three basic views of this text. One is continuationism. 
And that is that the gifts of the Holy Spirit have continued into this present age, and therefore all believers, everybody has everything all the time. And a lot of times, um, I don't want to say those people because they're family, right? But they really zero in all those charismatic gifts of healing and speaking of tongues. And if you just found your way into OCC and that's you and you feel like we're picking on you, we're not. It's, it's just the facts. It's just the facts. And um, we, those people, I don't want to say those people, they would really focus in on those charismatic gifts and they would almost, maybe not on purpose, but tie that to your spiritual maturity and unfortunately maybe even whether or not you're saved. And we know the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, um, and these won't all jump on the screen, so maybe you just jot down the thing and look at it, make sure I'm right. But um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 28, it says, not all have all the gifts. Not everybody has all the gifts. So... So there's a group that, that believe in that continuationism. And then there's, um, I'll just be honest, there's us, right, a lot of times. And we're secessionists. We're, we believe that, hey, this, this stopped. This stopped. It was only apostles. It's only New Testament. Don't raise your hands in church because you might accidentally speak in a tongue. And we just, but here's the problem with that. We de-emphasize the power of the Holy Spirit. And um, there's some very famous people that, that are famous to like Bible nerds like John and myself and Christopher Harley and those guys that would say that if you read 1 Corinthians 13, then that'll tell you that these gifts stop. And I don't really agree with that. We can debate that later. We only have 20 minutes. We'll debate that later. But here, here's the deal. It does lend to an inconsistent teaching about the Holy Spirit, because we're content to let the the miraculous gifts stop, like the speaking in tongues, like the healing, things like that. But I know, and I used to be one, so I can say this, every preacher I know believes in the gift of giving. They want you to give to this church, right? Every preacher I know believes in the gift of service because they want you to serve at this church. And the Holy Spirit is in us and gives us those gifts. And I don't understand, just to be honest, because I'm, I'm probably this third view there. I, I don't believe these gifts have stopped. I believe they're rare. Like if you think about in all of Christian history, in the New Testament time, it's a pretty short window here of history that we have. And I just want to tell you something. If I really believed that the gift of healing was for everybody, all times, in every situation, then why didn't Jesus bring John the Baptist back to life? Why didn't he use his gift of healing for his own selfish purpose? To bring his cousin back to life. That's what I would have done. Thank goodness I'm, I'm not Jesus. I'm not in charge. So, But... Um, and so this is where I land, is that I, am, I see that these gifts do kind of tail off. I see that they are associated uh, mostly with the apostles and the laying on of hands of the apostles. But let me tell you something. I believe in the occasional outpouring 
of the Holy Spirit. I believe in miracles. I believe in prayer. I believe there's power. And I believe it happens today. It's just not prevalent. Just like in the, in the book of Acts, just like in the ministry of Jesus, not everybody was healed. Not everybody all the time spoke in a tongue. It wasn't needed, or maybe God in his wisdom. Let me tell you something. God is smarter than John Pape. He's also smarter than you, so don't, okay? But listen, listen. I believe that we could say, hey, we don't understand this. We don't always understand everything that God is trying to do. And I think there's definitely evidence that the Holy Spirit works miracles and miraculously today. I don't have those gifts. I I never have. I don't want to limit God. I could have them at some point. I, I don't have them. I am gifted. And so are you. I do have the power of the Holy Spirit. And if you're a believer, so do you. Now here's some general thoughts on the, on the spiritual gifts, and then we'll get into the text today. First of all, who gives the gifts and what are they for? Hebrews chapter 2, verse 3 and 4 really give us some, some wisdom on that. It says, how shall we escape if we ignore so great a salvation? Okay, if we ignore salvation, we are doomed. It says, this salvation was first announced by the Lord Jesus and was confirmed on us by those who heard him. God also testified to it by what? Signs, wonders, and various miracles. And by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. And I just want to tell you something. Like when I worked at the church here, I took this view. And I think every Christian should take this view. That you know what? We are not in management. It doesn't matter your position in this church, what you do, what your title is, you are not in management. You are in service. You are in service and you are in sales, right? We are here to serve and share our faith. That is what we are to do. It's God's wisdom. It's God's will in how he works and how the Holy Spirit works. And we just need to accept that by faith and realize that we may not understand everything that God is trying to do. And we just need to be faithful. What are the purpose of the gifts? What is the purpose of the Holy Spirit? Well, over and over again in 1 Corinthians 12 and 14, there's like five times where it says, very simple, the spiritual gifts, the gifts are there to build up the church. And so if you have a gift It's your job to use it, whatever it might be, to build up this church. And that manifests in two different ways. One, to help non-believers believe and help believers believe better or believers to be stronger. And so I just want to tell you, we all have gifts. We don't need to be afraid of the Holy Spirit, even though we probably don't. I'll be honest, I, I don't always understand it but it's part of our life. 
Jesus says this in John 14, 12. He says, very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. God said, Jesus said, we can do greater things than what he had done. Just let's wrap our brain around that. There must be some tremendous power in the Holy Spirit. And I think sometimes we're so afraid because we don't understand it that we just want to ignore it and push it to the side and not think about it. This is what I do know about the Holy Spirit. If you read in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, it says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sin, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Friends, the Holy Spirit gives power for all time to all believers. I'm talking to everyone in this room who claims to be a follower of Christ. And I want to tell you something. I don't know that everybody has, I know that everyone doesn't have the gift of healing or tongues or whatever. You could insert any of those gifts, teaching, encourage. We don't all have those gifts, but the Holy Spirit does provide power for us in everyday life, in everyday life. When you look at the teaching of Jesus on the Holy Spirit, he talks about uh, a couple of things that the Holy Spirit will do for us. John 14, 16 says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. That word advocate there is like encourager or comforter, it's translated sometimes. The Holy Spirit is there to push us, to come alongside us, and help us to be faithful. John 16, 8 says, when he comes, meaning the Holy Spirit, he will provide the world, uh, he will prove the world to be wrong, or um, in some translations, says, convict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. Let me tell you something. When you're a Christian, and you know you're somewhere you shouldn't be, Right? You know you're somewhere or saying something that you shouldn't say. And you have that still small voice in your heart that says, hey, I need to get out of here. I need to keep my mouth shut. I need not to be doing this, seeing this, saying that. That's the Holy Spirit convicting you. That's the power of the Holy Spirit keeping you on the right track. John 16, 13 says, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. The spirit is our comforter. He's our convictor. He's our guide. The Holy Spirit has power. It has the power to change lives. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9, it says, do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? And then he gives this big laundry list of wrongdoers. And let me tell you something. If you read that list, you'll find yourself in there somewhere. I promise you that. And then Paul gives this conclusion, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11, and that's what some of you were, but you were washed, you were sanctified, which is a big church word for to be formed like Jesus, to be transformed, to be just like Jesus. You were washed, you were transformed, you were justified from your sins in the name of Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. It's the Holy Spirit's power that enables us to leave our sinful life behind and be transformed and renewed 
It's a process to be more like Christ every day. It's the power. Next, the Holy Spirit produces fruit in our lives. It's one of our great children's ministry songs. It really needs to be a song for our whole life. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Let me tell you something. Before Christ, I was none of those. Before Christ, I was none of those. Forty-some years later, I've got some of those. And it's because of the power of the Holy Spirit. We're not a feed mill without full power. We're children of God with the power of the Holy Spirit of our lives, in, in our lives. When the Son of God, Jesus, and the truth of God, the Bible, and the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, you put all of those together, they have the power to change the people of God and guide the people of God. And let me tell you something, church, we have the power of God that can change this world. That's what the Holy Spirit is. Now let's go back into our text. Let's go back into our text and let's pull out the lessons real quick. First of all, I see this outpouring of the Holy Spirit because the occasion needed the power of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2, verse 1 says, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Now, you might read over that real quick, but what is the day of Pentecost? That is a Jewish festival. It was given a Greek name, Pentecost, which means uh, because of 50, 50 days after the Passover. What's the Passover, right? The book of Exodus, God leads his people out of Egypt towards the promised land. That's the Passover and the lamb and the blood, right? The Passover. What else happened on the Passover? Jesus died, buried, and raised for our sin. If 50 days after that, everybody was together. And when I say everybody, I'm not just talking, yes, the, the apostles, the believers were all together in a room. They were probably a little scared, but Jesus told them, hey, don't leave Jerusalem. So guess what? They listened. They were, but not only were the apostles all together, but let me tell you something. Pentecost was a big deal in Jewish culture. There were three Jewish feasts in the Old Testament that required a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. Pentecost was one of them. And so there were God's people, Jews, that had been scattered out all over the known world. Guess what? They were there. It was like a holiday. It was like a feast. It was a time of giving offerings, of first fruits. It was after the wheat harvest, and they were all together. People from all over the world came to Jerusalem. It was like a Super Bowl party. They were all together. Everybody was there. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit shows up. The doors are blown off where the apostles are, the, the believers are. And guess what? There's tongues and flit and fire. And you read the, and boom, and boom. And they start speaking. And these Jewish people from other places, guess what? They didn't speak Hebrew or Aramaic like these Galilean apostles 
No, they spoke their own languages. They spoke their own dialects. And guess what? God had a message for the entire world. And when you have everybody together that speaks all these different languages, it necessitated, there was a need for a miraculous outpouring of the Holy Spirit. In verse 6 it says, When they heard this sound, a crowd came together around these apostles because each one heard in their own language. Each one heard in their own language. Let me tell you something. I'm not a real uh, smart guy, but if I wanted to start a church and I had a lot of people together that spoke a lot of different languages, it makes sense that if I was God, that I would pour out the Holy Spirit like that. And I want to challenge you, church. You know, a lot of times we think, man, we don't, we don't see the Holy Spirit. We, you know, we don't experience the Holy When's the last time this church has done something that we could not understand or do on ourselves? When have we tried to do something that needed that kind of power? I think a lot of times we're comfortable in our own narrow understanding. We're comfortable in our own budgets. We're comfortable in our own... And we don't allow God to work. We do what we know we can do and maybe we don't leave room for the Holy Spirit. Next, the apostles created the environment for the Holy Spirit. And this church, this should be our DNA. They were people of prayer. If you read through this first three chapters that we're studying right now, four times it talked about the apostles' commitment to prayer. In addition, they stayed together. Let me tell you something. It's just like a family here. It's just like a family here. It doesn't take long for us to get offended, to be upset, to want to leave, to give up, to not be together. I want to challenge you as OCC. You know what? I don't agree with everything this church does. That might be the last words I say. (laughs) But you know what? I trust faithful, godly leaders that are making the right call. And maybe they don't get it perfect. Maybe they're not, they're, they're not perfect. Trust me, I was one. I know. They're probably a little more perfect since I'm not there. But uh, listen, we need to be together. Maybe it's not the song you want to hear. Maybe it's not the style you want to hear. Maybe this, maybe that. Maybe, maybe you don't like the community center. So what? Be together, church. If it's not anti-scriptural, we need to just get along and go along. Because let me tell you something, this backbiting hinders the Holy Spirit. I'll get to that in a second. And number last, they obeyed. They obeyed the commands of Jesus. Jesus said, don't leave. Guess what? They didn't leave. They were obedient. They were obedient. And so they prayed, they were together, and they were obedient. The power is the strongest when God's people come together in prayer and in unity and faithfully obey what God asks them to do. That's what we need to be like, church. That's where the power is. The last thing I want to challenge you with is this. 
not everybody's going to react in a positive way to the Holy Spirit. As a matter of fact, church, I want, I want to tell you something. If, if the world starts approving of everything that we do and say we got problems, they're not going to understand. They're not going to agree with us because we're called to a different standard. If you look through this uh, 13 verses in Acts, it says some were confused, verse 6. Some were amazed, which really literally means some were in disbelief. Even though they heard it in their own language, they're like, I don't believe this. Even they saw the miracle, I don't believe this. Some people are just not going to get it, verse 7, verse 12. Some people were marveled. They were impressed, like they were seeing a circus, verse 7. Some were perplexed, which literally means they doubted. I I can't, I doubt, I doubt. Sometimes I've been there. Some asked, what does this mean? Verse 12, they were confused. My favorite one, if I could just be honest, because I got a warped sense of humor, verse 13 says, some, however, made fun of them and said they'd had too much to drink, right? Some people were like, you guys are off your rocker. And I want to challenge you as a church, let me tell you something, if everything that we do makes sense to the world, to those who aren't Christians, I'm not saying that we go out of our way to offend them. I'm just saying that some things that we do, like the way we forgive, like the way we give, like the way we sing songs to a God who loves us, like the way we believe that a dead man came back to life for our sins, that shouldn't always make sense to the world. And what was true 2,000 years ago is true today. But I want to tell you something. There will be some people who get it. Acts chapter 2, verse 37. After this happens, Peter gives this great sermon for sermon. I don't want to, the next person is supposed to preach on this, but I just want to touch on it just for a second. It says in verse 37, the people were cut to the heart. It was powerful. Verse 41, 3,000 were added to that number that day. And I want to tell you something. This is probably one of the most profound things that I can say today. We're not responsible for the response. We're simply required to be faithful. In church, I want you to be faithful in prayer. I want you to stay together. And I want you to be obedient to what we see in the scripture. We're not responsible for the response. We're simply required to be faithful. As a band comes up today, I want to challenge you with the exact same takeaways that John Malpas um, has been pushing us this whole series with maybe just a little bit of a tweak. One is to pray for one. Set your alarm. Listen, I get up early sometimes and I'm up at 2, um, 42 a.m. Like Ron Nagy, you probably eating lunch then right? You get up early too. But listen, don't, don't, don't miss this. Pray together. There's something powerful about when we come together as Christians and agree in prayer. Let me tell you something. Nothing ticks off the Holy Spirit like disunity. And I've really had to think about this in my own life. And sometimes I get bitter and I don't understand things. But listen, Ephesians chapter 4 verse 30 says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God which, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. It says, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgive one another just as in Christ God forgave you. 
Pray together this week, friends. I don't know what that looks like for you. Maybe it's just texting a friend and say, hey, I'm supposed to be praying. You're supposed to be praying. What are you praying for today? I'm going to pray for that too. How can I encourage you? Pray together. Next, he said, um, to read and meditate on the book of Acts, get into the word. You don't know what the Holy Spirit's all about unless you read the book. And even then, maybe you won't still understand it, but you'll understand it more. Fast one day um, this week, every week. Fast from something. Put something aside so that you can focus more on God. And my last challenge is kind of unique to the message today. I talked about those still nudges, that, that voice of God in your brain that convicts you of what you're doing wrong or, or guides you in what you should be doing right. I just want to tell you this week, when you feel that nudge, a lot of times we push it away. I don't have time. Is God really saying that? I want you to lean in. Instead of like in a family when we would pull away of controversy, we, uh, we don't want to be uncomfortable. Lean in to what the Spirit is guiding you to. Let me tell you something, church. There's probably some people in here that say, I need that power. I've never given my life to Christ. I, I live in a power. I'm not producing the way I should produce. It's because I've never made Jesus the Lord of my life and been obedient in baptism and received the gift of the Holy Spirit. I want to challenge you. Talk to one of our pastors. Talk to me. Talk to somebody about how you do that today. Don't leave without making that very important decision. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I, I just thank you for your word. I thank you um, how much it's guided my life. I, I thank you for the Holy Spirit in my life. I know there are times where you have saved me from a ton of heartache or led me into incredible joy because I've been obedient to your nudging and to your power. And I know that you have gifted me in a variety of ways, Lord. And I just pray that we as a church would come together and rely on that power and be all that you want us to be. It's in Christ's name I pray, amen.